This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. Already via your email. Oh, thank you. Um, we have a bit of a decline this year. Um, all the programs except for three: communication, English, and theater. So, congratulations to you three. Um, are down from fall of 2014. Um, and when we look at the declines, they ranged from about just a 4% decline to a 36% decline, with an overall decline of 170 students, or 12%. And that includes the two online programs, which are very large. When we exclude the online programs, the decline was about 14% overall, or 122 students. So, you know, obviously this isn't the news that we want to hear. Um, and I think, you know, I wanted to spend a little bit of time sort of talking through this, thinking through this together and seeing kind of how we might address some of these concerns. And so I have a little bit more data to share with you and then we'll open up the floor for uh, discussions and that sort of thing. So this um, <clears throat> chart here just looks at the historic uh, enrollments in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences here, just excluding, again, the online programs. And you'll see, unfortunately, that liberal arts is at its lowest ever, 531 students. Sciences are at 253, not their lowest ever, but they're kind of on a downward decline for the past few semesters um, compared to where they were. So, you know, the big question is how can we address this trend and how can we reverse this trend? And we all, I think, have a role to play in that. Uh, this chart here looks at the changes by semester. So from spring to fall 2011, for example, we uh, declined 28 students. From fall 2011 to spring 2012, we declined 51 students, had a slight, very tiny rebound, uh, increase of three. We had a little increase, and then we've kind of gotten a little more volatile, but trending towards the loss here. So what's going on? That's the big question that we want to think about. So with Andrew's help and the folks in graduate studies, we've been really kind of digging into the funnel for our admissions and really looking at, okay, how many people are coming in the door, inquiring about our programs, and how is that translating into the number of students who are enrolling in the fall? And so what this chart here depicts are all of the inquiries <clears throat> that we received from August 1st, 2014 through August 1st, 2015, and how those translated into newly enrolled students. Now, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination in terms of you know, picking the timeline or what have you, but it gives us a rough idea of sort of who's inquiring about our programs and where it's, where it's landing. So you'll see across all the programs, again, this excludes the online programs, we received about 1,700 inquiries. So those are the people that you know, checked request information and filled out the form on, on the websites. Of those, 1,298 started applications, 862 actually pushed submit on their application, then 770 of those were given a decision, of those 770, 501 were accepted, of those 501 accepted, 274 filled out the intent to enroll saying they were coming, and then we had 261 newly enrolled students. You'll see also up here our top five feeder schools, Villanova being our number one, so keep telling your undergrads to come to us for graduate school. Um, also Temple, Penn State, Jawaharlal Nehru Tech uh, University in India, and then Westchester University. So um, here's the data when you compare it to last year, um, and, and the last two years, excuse me. And you'll actually see that we received more inquiries last year than we did in either of the prior two years. We 
that we were down a little on applications, but when you look at that by program, it actually was just a few of the really real the programs that get a lot of applications were down. So by program, it wasn't that uh, different. And then you can look across, and obviously things kind of move, move in the downward trend, getting us to the, the lower numbers of enrollments. So my way of tackling problems is through spreadsheets and data. So um, I really wanted to get a handle on kind of what's going on and then provide you all with some more information to help you kind of dig in and really figure out what's going on. So we've prepared reports for you, for your programs that detail all of this information. Um, and I'll be emailing them to you and meeting with you in the next few weeks to sort of talk through and brainstorm some of, uh, of what's going on here. What I brought, what I have up here are just some examples of, of the funnel by program. I, I didn't put the names of the programs in, but I think it's really uh, insightful here to sort of see kind of where students are coming in and then how we're losing them along the path. And actually, this is really very exciting to me because you'll see there are moments that we can, I'm sure, capture a few more students. If, you know, maybe if we improve our communication or, you know, think about how we're reaching out to them. So, you know, every program, if they can sort of reach out to a few more, we'll be right back to where we were in the spring. So, really, I think, you know, this, this offers, up a lot, offers us a lot of, of options and ideas and things to think through. But what I tried to highlight here are sort of where we have 51% or more of the prior category. So we start here with the inquiries. And so you'll see programs are receiving you know, a lot of inquiries. This program in particular received 127 inquiries. Of that, 71 started applications. Okay? Of those, 53 were submitted. 42 were given a decision. Then 32 were accepted. 16 decided to enroll. So the red are places where I think we could maybe, you know, do a little bit better in terms of trying to convince folks, um, you know, about Villanova or communicate our story. Here's another example, 179 inquiries for one program, but that translated into only 49 applications. That's, that's a huge, there's clearly some room for, for improvement here, I think. So versus this program, 72 inquiries, 68 of them ultimately started applications. So again, I've prepared reports you know, for all of you, and I hate to be Debbie Downer here. <laughs> you know, I'm really not trying to be, but I think it's really important to understand and think through the process and kind of where, again, people are coming in the door and then how that process is unfolding. Because I think if we really dig into all the steps of the process, we can really make some, some headway in a, very, in a relatively short time, I think, as well. So I just wanted to give you a couple suggestions that we've been thinking of in graduate studies um, to sort of deal with some of these enrollment trends. And then I just want to open it up and sort of get your feedback on the last year, see things that have been working for you, things where, you know, where you've been really struggling um, as well. So, you know, I think the first thing that you can really do is dig into your inquiries and your applications. They are a gold mine sitting right there. These people have gone out and expressed their interest in the program. All those folks who didn't start an application are still sitting out there. So they may be a captive audience. They may not be, but they may be worth at least one more email for sure. And then also folks who have incomplete applications um, or maybe didn't receive a decision for one reason or another, dig into those. Are they still interested? You know, they're a very, you know, a potential audience for you. You know, consider more frequent communications via email and phone. Now, I know we're all really busy. Um, I know that, you know, the last thing we need to do is be sending more emails or that sort of thing. But 
Unfortunately, we're in a really competitive market where other programs are doing that. So that personal touch matters so much. You know, some research says that it takes, you know, five touches before someone even pays attention. You know, so unfortunately, we have to be, we have to you know contribute to that as well, and really think about how we can distinguish what we're saying to prospective students in a meaningful way. So think about you know how how many times are you communicating with people, and what's the quality of your communication too. Also think about how you're us utilizing your department staff to help you. You know, can you utilize them to help you at some stage in the process? You know, potentially maybe you make the first, you know, email to a prospective student, and then you follow up with a phone call, and then maybe three weeks later, someone in your staff follows up with them. You know, think about how you can use you know people really effectively, and have everyone as part of the team who you know is part of, of what's going on. Start building relationships with your feeder schools. On these reports that we've created for you, we've identified your top five feeder schools. And you'd be surprised at how many students are coming from these places. Um, this year, Emily in her recruiting has targeted a lot of those schools and will be visiting them, actually. Um, so for example, College of the Holy Cross. Um, we've had a lot of success in students coming from there. So she's actually making a visit to there to go and, and recruit explicitly to them. Um, so you know, even just an email to the department chair would be really meaningful and a great way to, to reach out. Think about using one of your GAs or your tuition scholars to work on recruitment. Um, and we can help you with that and give you ideas of things that they can do to, to reach out to potential students um, or just help you manage some of the efforts uh, as well. Um, really think about your websites. Um, and, and really, uh, I have up your game here. You know, I think the website is a really unique place for us where all of our digital marketing, everything is directing people to your websites. So it's really important that they are in tip-top shape. They're really not that important for communicating with your current students. They're really more important for communicating with your prospective students. So while it's important to have all the policy information, all the nitty gritty stuff, it doesn't need to be on the main page. So really think about, especially that main page, what you're communicating and can you communicate it more effectively. Another thing you can do is contact inactive students and encourage them to come back. You know, lots of the programs are a majority of part-time students who we know take a semester off, but you know, life gets in the way and they take two semesters and three semesters. So, you know, can you reach out to them and we can help you do that as well. Um, a couple more sort of short-term, I think, suggestions. You know, really give some thought to, to how you reach out to the students who are part-time and who are not funded uh, by graduate assistance or tuition scholarships. We've heard sort of anecdotally that sometimes they don't feel as connected to the program. So, you want them to feel connected because that makes sure that they, they do come back and they do register. So, you know, really think about how you're building community with them as well. Um, and then finally, when the advising period comes up in a few weeks, you know, remind students of deadlines, remind them of the registration period, track students who are registering, um, and just remind those who don't. And again, I know this, this is paper pushing and it's, you know, checking and, and making sure things happen, but really it, it's important. Um, we, we don't want to keep seeing the, the enrollments go down. And these are things that we can pretty easily do and really and, and track folks. A um, couple more long-term suggestions and then I'll open it up and would really love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. Um, you know, I think now is a really good moment to sort of think through what is your overall communication strategy with prospective students. So, Again, who's emailing, who's calling, when, how many times, when are they getting dropped from your radar? And actually write that out and write out a plan for yourself and for your department. Um, that's really important in terms of, you know, hey, we're doing all these things and nothing's working. You know, well, then let's tweak it or let's think about it. Or, you know what, actually, I'm only writing inquiries one time. Maybe I should write them again in three weeks or something like that. 
that's something I think you need to give some serious and sort of reflective thought to. Then what's your overall <coughs> communication strategy for folks who are in the application process? How often are you reviewing you know, their status? How often are you communicating with them? What happens when they get accepted? Do you invite them to a class? Do you invite them you know, to meet with current students? What are you doing? You know, how do you stay in touch with these folks throughout the process? And then again, how are you communicating with current students? You know, how can you engage them more to ensure that they don't drop off and, and take semesters off? I also think it's really important to kind of take a moment and step back and really think about who your competitors are and what's happening there. So you know, who are the top five master's programs you know, in the country? Who are you competing with? Um, why are they the best? Is Villanova the best? Are we communicating that well? We are the best, I would say. So let's get that message out there. And if we're not, let's think about how we can be better. You know, maybe it's time to give your program a fresh look. Um, you know, get some courses that are just outdated off the books and you know, replace them with something new. Or change a title or just, just little housekeeping things that can make a difference. Um, maybe host a focus group with your current students and sort of get their advice on how you can um, do things better or reach out to other students. And then finally, you know, how are you reaching out and staying in touch with your alumni? What we found is despite all the things we do and all the money we spend, that word of mouth remains our most important and best recruitment strategy. So using our alumni and engaging with them is really important in this regard. And then also, again, sort of leveraging your personal and your professional networks. So sorry to talk so long at you, but this is a really important issue, obviously, and um, trend that we definitely do want to see reversed, and we want to see um, you know, us being as successful as we possibly can um, and being you know, very strong in terms of our enrollment. So I've talked too long. So what are your thoughts on all of this? What did you experience the last year? Um, did you find this year particularly more difficult than other years? What, what sort of has jumped out at you? Yes, Heather. started calling some of our prospective students and she has a down moment and actually you've had some really good conversations and people have been quite receptive um, you know just a friendly reminder touch base and you're wonderful on the phone so maybe you could do this I called applicants for this spring so I haven't called anyone for next fall yet mm -hmm. but people I think are just encouraged to hear that there's like a human on the other end and they like almost can't believe that someone's calling them <laughs> <laughs> honestly Person that you have that person do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and you know how other programs you know yeah. or, or makes you feel better about what you're doing too <laughs> we're, right, hey, we're exactly. ahead of the curve yeah. and, it's, and exactly. great cross so that off the right. list we're right, fine exactly. you know yeah great mike so the numbers are very low again do we know if the quality has changed over that same time slot we haven't looked into that but that's a great question and we should and see what the average gpa is um i wouldn't i don't, I don't anecdotally you know over my time i didn't see it changing a whole lot have, have you felt that in your program or I mean, you guys look at it probably more no no i mean i, I think our, our gre's really have gone up up mm -hmm. and, it, and it would be interesting to do the same kind of analysis that we've done on the numbers there because that could be <coughs> happening because we're getting a better applicant right or because we're better at recruiting the better of the applicants mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll dig. That's a great idea. Thank you. That's a great idea. Any other thoughts or questions or things to look at further? Yeah, Peter. Uh, <coughs> is this something that I'm over, or are other schools suffering? It's a common trend, but some schools are on, on the rise, too. Um, and they've taken, you know, some schools have decided to sink a ton of money into, for example, international recruiting. So, you know, and that's, you know, obviously not what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, they're riding you know different waves in different countries and that sort of thing but um so you know it's kind of all over the map um i think a, a recent report and it's not from this year from like a year or two ago from the council of graduate schools had a lot of more the trend was a little bit going up than it had been in the prior years but um, you know again a lot of it's too field specific so yeah Felicia. i just had a question about the feeder schools yeah are those feeding inquiries or are they feeding actual enrolled students? They're feeding enrolled, right. Yep, they're feeding enrolled. And we can look at it the other way too, but we figured who's actually coming here, mm -hmm. you know, and we focus on that. Mm -hmm. So so anyways, and please know, you know, we're here to help you, you know, whatever we can do, um, <coughs> we, you know, are happy to do it. And, um, you know, again, I don't mean to present this to be, you know, super <laughs> negative or anything, but it's the reality. And, um, you know, we, we don't want to see <laughs> keep seeing things go down because, you know, your programs are wonderful. We want to you know, keep seeing them thrive and have great communities. Yeah. One other thought. Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I do think that part of the challenge is that we're marketing, a lot of us are marketing MA programs, mm -hmm. you know, and that anything that the grad study office sees can be, articulate the specific value of your MA degree, um, especially because we're like, we're trying to migrate the program. Yeah. Trying to feed now our MA students and PhD programs is becoming increasingly impossible. Right. You know, there's a PhD program that's just so competitive getting 500 applications for 10 slots in their programs. So we're increasingly having to try to say, well, we're still preparing students for the PhD route and doing everything we can to get them in. We're trying to establish and, and sort of articulate what is also worthwhile on its own 
who are going to talk about our um, recruiting and marketing for the year. Hi, everybody. Um, I just, I'm going to say a few words about a couple of different ways we're doing marketing and recruitment. Um, some of the same things that you're used to year after year, like the open house, of course, and also the ways um, that we're using Radius. I know Andrew has always put out that um, if anybody wants help with an email communication plan. I know Brenda Grove has also visited with a number of you to look at your websites and put together email communication plans. Um, and there's just lots of things going on. I just want to highlight a few of the things that we're doing in terms of um, paid advertising. And for this, we work with University Communications. Um, Francesca Reynolds and Laura Wisely are our two contacts <coughs> in the university. And they work with another company called MediaWorks, so you may hear these names thrown around. But anyway, um, we kind of come up with our ideas and go to them and ask for them that, you know, based on our budget, which is not that big, how can we spend our money effectively to market all of our programs? Um, and in some cases, like with gradschools.com, that means everybody's program is listed. So that's, you know, for everybody and then... Depending on the year, we do, we kind of highlight certain programs for certain of these things and other programs in other ways. So I'll just go through that a little bit. With the Google SEM and retargeting, um, basically what we're doing is having MediaWorks, who is this advertising agency that has all of this big data about you know, search words and words that people use when they're looking for a master's degree, to help us um, get our placement of our web page and even a paid ad at the top um, up on the top of a Google search when somebody puts in uh, master's degree in education, 
No. So we're doing that. We're doing some retargeting for the first time this year. And what is that? That's when, um, I don't know about you, but for me, if I go online because I'm looking for a new pair of shoes, you know, and I go to um, Zappos and I'm looking for a new pair of sneakers, and then later on in that day, I need to go online and, um, you know, order something on Amazon for one of my kids, I see that same pair of sneakers there that I was just looking at on that other webpage. Okay, so that's retargeting. So <laughs> we're doing that now too, in that if a prospect comes to our site, Grad Arts and Sciences, um, they're tracked, so Big Brother is watching all of us, right? They leave and they'll, they'll see Grad Arts and Sciences ads on other web pages that they're visiting. So we're, we're in that game now too, but <laughs> we, we wanna be in front of them. We want them to be thinking about us. Um, so we're doing that in a very general sense for all the programs. We're doing gradschools.com for all the programs. We're doing Pandora um, ads for the open house. So people will not only be listening and hear, um, uh, you know, hear an ad to come to the open house, but if they're on their computer or on their phone, they'll also see some banner ads about the open house as well. Um, <clears throat> we're doing philly.com banner ads. Um, this is throughout the fall. So you'll see general grad arts and sciences ads on philly.com, different articles. Um, we're doing LinkedIn in-mails. Um, this is, right now, we're doing sort of a pilot with this with some specific programs, and we'll, we'll talk to you about that if your program is one of them. Um, so we're starting out with some of the more professional programs like human resource development, for example, um, to target people that have on their LinkedIn profile that this is the industry they're working in. Um, they will receive uh, an email in their LinkedIn account that has a beautiful graphic and talks about how wonderful the human resource development program is at Villanova. So we're experimenting with this to see how we can really drill down in different industries and try to come up with um, where are students working who might be interested in our specific programs. So we're working on that currently. Um, as you know, um, Emily uh, posts all the time on our Facebook page, our um, graduate studies Facebook page, but we're also going to look at ways we can promote those posts, which is a way that you pay to get your post in front of even more people who don't necessarily like your page. So we're doing that too. Um, we're doing the GRE purchase, so we're in the process just right now, I think today, of purchasing a list of thousands of names of people that have taken the GRE within the last year in all of your subject areas, and we've designed postcards which will go out to them as a first step this fall. And then as a follow-up, we're gonna do an email campaign specific to those people as well. We're doing um, some Philadelphia Magazine custom content, they call it, which is basically um, if you were reading an article online in Philadelphia Magazine online, within that article, there's a way for them to highlight um, different things that don't actually look like an ad on the side that you would click on, but it's actually within the text of the article, and you've probably noticed this as you're reading articles. So we're doing that with some of our programs as well, and we're doing SEPTA rail cards um, along the regional rail, I think along the R5 this <coughs> fall, right? Yep. And this fall, um, we're promoting specifically our new program in environmental science, uh, but in the spring, we'll be advertising all of our programs along SEPTA. Um, also, we just got our new folders, so you'll see these soon, too. We think um, the photos came out really nice in terms of being modern and clean. And thank you all for your help with the information sheets that are gonna go inside these. We're working on finalizing them now and hope to have them printed very soon. So as soon as we get those, you'll get your new stack of these things to give out. Of course, we'll have them in time for the open house. 
And just lastly, we are planning um, a photo shoot and we'll send a follow-up email about this, but we're looking for your help. We need students on um, Thursday, October 22nd. We have a rain date of Monday, October 26th. And again, we'll send an email to follow up, but we really want as many students as possible to come to this photo shoot. It's from three to 6 p.m. We know not everybody can make that time, but if they can, wonderful. Um, this is a photo shoot that we did over summer last year, and the photos just turned out really beautifully, but we need even more people, more diversity of older, younger, male, female. So we'll be looking for you to suggest some students for us who might be able to participate in this. And that will help with all of our materials, both online and print materials. So that's all <coughs> I have. Emily's gonna um, follow up on this with more specific information on the recruitment. So I just have three things to highlight. Um, like Christine mentioned, Brenda and I are basically on the road a lot this semester. Um, between the two of us, we're going to over 40 graduate school fairs or individual school visits, um, which I think might be the most we've ever done. So, you know, just trying to hit them every way that we can. Um, one thing, like Christine mentioned, that we're trying different this year is that if we notice that we're getting a lot of students from a certain school and they don't have a graduate school fair, we're trying to go there anyway. So, for example, next week I'm going to Wilkes University because I think we have six or seven students from there in the last couple of years, and I'm going to talk to one of their career development classes. So, you know, just trying a little more personalized approach, you know, where are students coming from and trying to meet them where they are. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm also still doing virtual information sessions every two weeks on either Fridays at noon or Wednesdays at six, and those seem to be getting you know more and more popular. Um, and I think people just like to have the application fee waiver, honestly, <laughs> but that's fine. You know, at least they they apply. Um, and then thanks to Heather for bringing up the call night. I think you're right that it's important. So we're going to do it again this fall. Um, we think the call to action will be to push for, because it's in November, it's after the open house, but we're going to push for, you know, coming to our January info, info session and also virtual info sessions. So we'll be sending out a call for students about that, but just keep that in mind. Um, I think it's, it's really successful. So if you can send us one student to give up two hours, you know, we provide dinner and I think it really is um, effective. So that's it for me. Okay, now Andrew will talk to us about radius. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> All right, so uh, there's just a couple of new things. There's a kind of big addition in a couple months ago to the system where what it'll allow us to do is it'll allow us to get rid of the intent to enroll forms as we currently have them. What's going to happen is there's now a decision module within radius. So what you'll see is, I was gonna put it up, it's not a big deal, but um, essentially, now, within your view, when you're looking at applications, you're going to be able to see every step of the process the whole way up until enrollment. Uh, along with that, the decision process is going to change a little bit. Your process is going to stay the same where you input your decision radius and then Suzanne processes it. But instead of the student receiving an email from office with their decision letter in the body of the email, they're going to receive an email that tells them to check their self-service portal uh, where the email will be located as a PDF. Um, it's a little bit of a nuisance in some ways, but at the same time, we know it's in there. We know they can access it as a PDF, because sometimes the decision emails can get lost or picked up by spam filters, things like that. So 
anytime they go in the portal, they, they'll be able to see their decision in the subsequent email. Well, on those lines, with the switch over to the new academic year, uh, I've created new views for all of you for AY1617. Um, they're in the registrations list. If you uh, need any help finding them or making it your default or adding it to your homepage, as always, you know, I'll be able, I'll be able to either walk you through over the phone or come over and uh, help you out. <coughs> the other item I want to talk about was our website a little bit. Uh, as you saw, we made some significant changes to the way we have programs listed. Each de department has a program page, landing page, uh, that details all sort of like just what they need to know about applying, the fee, credit count, those sort of things. We're not going to go into any sort of qualitative content there. That's more left for your page, but just the nitty-gritty, everything you need to know to apply, and then, of course, the application links and how to access their application. After that, we're now working on changing a lot of our site, um, all the other pages, to make it a little cleaner. Once again, more focused on prospective students as opposed to current students. So as we're working through that process, we'll try and keep you abreast of what we're doing. But just, you know, every once in a while, have you or one of your admins take a peek through our web, through your website to see if we've broken any links. I try and do my best at finding places if I change something, thinking, okay, you know, they probably link to the international students page here or there. But there's a lot of sites, and I don't know the in integral workings of your page individually. So uh, just do your best to just every once in a while just take a quick peek and look through and let me know, and I can either fix it or have your webmaster fix it as well. Um, as always, I'm here to help with anything in Radius, or if, you're, if you need help with your website, um, I am very, very happy to come over and sit down and work with you individually. And along with that, uh, a lot of Christine gave a lot of suggestions about how to improve enrollments, and Radius is a really useful tool for getting the data that we need to help. And uh, it's a very customizable program, so if you're looking for something specific, as long as it's within the means of the program, I can, um, uh, I can help you kind of target whatever you need. So please feel free to think about that and contact me if you need anything. Okay, so um, now I've invited a few guests <laughs> to join us today and talk about some topics that have been coming up a lot in our office. So our first guest um, is Jennifer Shu, who's the Director of Communications for the college. Um, she's where she was here, but is she still here? No, she's gone. Okay. Okay. So maybe something came up. Okay. So we'll come back to Jennifer. Um, okay. So we'll have Seth Fis Fishman then uh, talk to us about assessment. Okay. Welcome everybody. Good to oh, see. Sure. Yeah, I know. I was this was the audience participation part of the show. Doug, you took the bait. Thanks. So maybe we'll do that a little bit later. A, a group interpretive dance. So, um, anyways, this, this is year two for us working on learning goals, assessment, academic outcomes, and things are going really well. Almost all the departments and programs turned in their first year end report back in May. And I'll be giving feedback and meeting with different departments, setting up meetings right now. Some of you are on my list. I'm seeing BJ, Peter, in the next week or two. And I'll be scheduling you to talk about your assessment plans, what's going well, what I can provide, and what assistance. So today I thought I'd more talk about some updates, some other things that are going on. Uh, first is learning goals and objectives you developed. I want to get them on the websites. Uh, this semester it's one of the goals to get them on this year. 
you want to see it a good example, public administration has those up right now. You can go to the public administration, look at about us, and you can see how they laid theirs out. Uh, all the undergraduate departments have monitors as well, so you can look at your own department and see how they look for us. So that's one of our goals this year is get those up online. They're useful, particularly if you're going on a faculty search this year. Candidates click those things. They want to see what your program is all about and what are the, the outcomes of your program. Um, another area is thinking about, you know, after read the programs, uh, thinking about your comps and just some things I was seeing. A lot of departments are talking about the comprehensive and qualifying exams and really rethinking those. And that's part of the assessment conversation. What's working? How can we provide better feedback to the students, make these more useful for everybody involved? Developing rubrics to have some sort of evaluation process, not just like, yeah, it looks good, they're in. I mean, students want to get some more feedback from that, and this is part of the assessment and academic outcomes process. So I've seen a couple examples already come through. Some have actually done a complete overhaul of their comprehensive and qualifying exams. So that's just something on the radar. If you're doing something interesting or new, let me know. We can talk about that. Also, looking at other things that are direct measures besides qualifying and comps. Most of you use comps or qualifying exams as one of your primary assessment measures for this past academic year or your group plan for this year. I saw some creative ones that came across here. These are all direct measures using student works. One group assignments using open source content management, getting people to give the work online in different content management areas. So that's pretty nice. I like the group thing going on there. Research papers, performances, exhibitions, posters. I saw one that was, a, I think, a museum presentation or lecture out of history. There's some really neat ones that are coming through there that are all great opportunities for you to put together direct uh, assessment of students' work. Other things like indirect, where do our students go on for doctoral programs, where are they getting jobs at, uh, exit surveys, particularly if they're related to your learning goals and objectives, and other like alumni surveys. All things I encourage and are part of the assessment uh, portfolio. And speaking of um, portfolios, we do have software available now at the university, ePortfolio and Blackboard's Outcome, and they are free. They cost your program nothing. We already have them on there. We have some programs that started a pilot this past year. It's a nice way to put everything online especially when you get your assessment things available 24-7. You can put all of that online. Keep a nice historical record of it. There's some neat opportunities. And ePortfolios, at least, um, are pretty a hot item right now, and students really like them. And you can put together their work over the course of one or two years or in a doctoral program, you know, six or seven. Nice, easy to do, and I can help you with that. And the unit folks here are very overly excited to get you involved in doing these kind of things there. And that's a good recruiting practice as well. Students are interested to hear about e-portfolios. So I think that might be a good recruiting tactic to play into all this. Uh, we're going to do our first, this is a first, here we go, Villanova first, Friday, October 30th, about from 10 a.m. to about 1 p.m., lunch included. It'll be the, I know that gets people there. It, it's, you can come in costume, it's a Halloween thing. <laughs> you want to become, it's an assessment form. Instead of sitting there and going through lectures, There'll be individual roundtables on certain key topics that you can have and share our practices, kind of the best practices share. We'll have certain tables for certain topics. I think I'm trying to get qualifying exams as one of them. Others are formative assessment. Others related back to your course or your program. And it'll be fun, interesting, and just short and rotational sessions. And there'll be lunch at the end. Always do the PJ as well. So we're going to try that. That'll be sponsored through the entire university, faculty from all the colleges in collaboration with VITAL and OPIR. Lastly, Things that are maybe a little bit less exciting, but I still think they're interesting. Mid-year report. This will be the first one for us as graduate program, and it's the same format as you saw your year-end report. It's very familiar to you. You've already seen this before. It's providing an update of what happened in the summer, what happened in the fall semester, and that'll be due January 15th, so it's about two weeks later 
into the 2015-2016 academic year, and the last is the year-end report, and it's the compilation of everything that happened at the year. And I kept the same format, it's very similar and familiar to you as well. And that's my time, any questions or comments? What was the date on that? Um, well, year-end report should be June 3rd. Uh, the, the item before that, where we're okay. all gonna get together? So the, the get together, the uh, forum will be October 30th. 30th. Please come in costume, Larry. <laughs> That'll be 10 a.m. to about 1 p.m. We're going to send an email through the whole university. There'll be a registration process. Uh, Vito's going to handle the registration. And it'll be over in Doherty Hall, at least at this point. So it'll be a roundtable format, not just sitting for two hours of lectures. Only like two hours where you go through different sessions and then we'll have a break and kind of like uh, academic speed dating on tables. So we'll try that out, see how it works. It's the first thing for the whole college, but again, talking about what we're doing at the university, sharing some of our best practices and having that conversation. And if you'd like to present it that, let me know too. I'm more than willing to have you there. That'd be fantastic. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for your time. Uh, next we have Bob's. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Uh, when we have graduate assistants and students and scholars, mm -hmm. they always say how many hours they have to do whatever. Yeah. I don't know whether it's specific to say, for example, if you want graduate assistants or students and scholars to appear at these events, mm -hmm. whether it's worthwhile to put that in <coughs> part of their description of what their responsibilities are, as opposed to, I'm sorry, I can't make it that time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether it should come out of your office or it should come out of our departments, but it might be something worthwhile to make them aware mm -hmm. that that's part of their responsibility. Yeah. I'd probably say it'd come out of your office because you were deciding how you're using your GAs. So if you wanted to you know, allocate one, you know, or, or, I mean, or I something yeah, like I'm, that, I'm just, just let them know. I think that's a great, no, I think that's a great point. And just let them know the dates or what have you. That's really good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay, our last guest speaker is Bob Stokes. Bob, there he goes. Okay. And Bob's going to talk about developing online programs. So it's good to be here, and it's uh, nice to see a lot of familiar faces from uh, you know working with the HRD program. And kind of wanted to first describe a little bit about my role uh, with online programs with the. Uh, Academic Affairs slash Provost Office. Um, <clears throat> it really covers a number of different areas. One area involves um, kind of a follow-up to Seth's area of uh, outcomes and assessment, looking at uh, middle state recommendations regarding distance education and having Villanova be more strategic at uh, the way in which we are, are offering online programs, the way we're integrating online programs with student services, the way we're looking at um, state authorization, states now require us to register with them if any of their residents come on into our online programs. So, um, and then we're also working with uh, student services to make sure that the student service groups are having services available online students um, just as they would for students that walk into their offices, whether it's the registrar, financial aid, um, bursar, uh, learning support services, and so on. So that's, <clears throat> that's a big part of my job. I also am, um, wanted to make you aware I'm working with several graduate programs already in arts and sciences, looking at a couple of different ways of possibly offering online programs. And again, our, our model I know over the years has been the HRD and the MPA, which are fairly large programs. But some of these programs are looking to have 
uh, online students that might supplement their uh, live classes here on campus. And talking to Joan Lesowitz, we now have about 60 media site classrooms where students can be sitting in the classroom. Other students could be online that may not travel to Villanova uh, in terms of the HRD program. I used to call any local applicants to say, why don't you come to our campus program? We have it right here. And many of them said, said look, I live in Philadelphia. I work in Philadelphia. I can't get out there in time and then try to get back. And so, you know, it just is not an option. Um, we called every local student, so that any, a local applicant to make sure that they knew that we had a campus program. So if you're thinking maybe about um, having online students and want to have five students, 10 students might be virtual along with your students in front of you, the technology is now advanced to where you can see them, they can see you, you can hear them, they can talk and you can, they can be part of the conversation. So my role is to help you consider it. Um, with the programs I'm working with, I've been doing some market research, calling competitors, seeing what their programs look like. Um, do their programs lead, if it's a certificate program, does it lead to a master's degree? Um, uh, do they do asynchronous, synchronous? And so I'm really trying to get information externally, but also even internally, looking at, play, at different uh, people on the campus that may be doing a similar type of content area and seeing if there's any sort of connections that could occur or even assisting to try to find those students. And then also doing market research in ways that we can get the word out about those programs. So I'm gonna set up, I talked to Christine about this, I'm gonna set up a couple demonstration rooms um, and I'll email to Christine to get out to all the program directors just to have you see what it's like. Is it something you might wanna consider? Again, I, I want to emphasize that it's really whatever your goal is. If your goal is to have a small number of students, a large number of students, regional, local, national, um, there's certainly not one size fits all. So um, just let me know if that's something you might want to consider. And then I'll, we're also working, working with uh, VITAL and CIT regarding uh, looking at a Villanova e-learning uh, kind of guiding principles that we can develop across campus so that when we look at Villanova's online programs, they all sort of are uh, consistent in that way. Uh, so there's one way that the, that the external world looks at us. So any uh, questions people have or? Uh, was that clear and complete? Okay, thanks. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, well, the last thing we wanted to end on, and then we'll open it up for any other new business, is um, Emily Hatcher went to a conference this summer, and um, they shared, one of the guest speakers shared their top 10 characteristics of a successful graduate enrollment management professional, and we thought it applied to all of the program directors. So uh, we wanted to just share it with you, and Linda printed up the nice card so you can hang them on your office wall. Um, but really, we're so grateful to you for all of your willingness and all of your characteristics and, uh, that are up here on the board, and just your willingness and your passion for your program. So thank you so much. Thank you for your willingness to listen to all these things and keep thinking and keep, um, again, being energized by change and being the critical thinker and asking the, the tough questions and, and mostly for the dedication that you have to your students. So thank you so much. Um, any other sort of new business? We've talked a long time. Any new business issues that you wanted to raise? Otherwise, we can enjoy cheese and fruit. But um, would love to hear from you all. Any other thoughts, questions?
hummus. All right, well, enjoy water. Thank you all for coming, and um, we'll see you soon. Okay.